Welcome to your weekly astrological weather. This is your place to get practical guidance for not only surviving, but thriving with the cosmic tides. This podcast episode is brought to you by The Inner Circle, your place to learn astrology in community with the masters and change your life in the process. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Amanda Poole Walsh. I'm the founder of Astrology Hub. And for those of you who are new to our channel, welcome. We're so happy you're here. You have just joined a worldwide astrological conversation that's happening here every week. Thank you to all of you also who have already subscribed to our channel. Those of you who hang out with us every week, leave your comments, share episodes with your friends and family. We are so grateful for you because you are instrumental in helping us get the wisdom of astrology out to the world. So thank you for that. Right now, we are talking about the astrology of February 6th to February 12th with astrologer and future inner circle astrologer guide, Henry Seltzer. I just loved the episode we did with Henry a few months ago. And from all of your comments, you loved it as well. So we were very excited to bring him back into the conversation this week. A little bit about Henry. He is one of the legends in the field. He has a graduate degree in linguistics. He studied computer science at MIT. He has been practicing astrology since 1975. He created the Time Passages astrology software that I'm sure many of you have on your phones or have on your computers. And he has written books on the 10th planet, Revelations from the Astrological Eris, and he wrote The Ephemeris of Trans-Neptunian KVO Planets. So we are so lucky to have you here, Henry. And just I, I just love the wealth of experience and wisdom that you get to share here with us at Astrology Hub. Oh, well, thank you so much. All right. Good being here as well. Yeah. Okay. So let's look ahead at this week. What would you say is the overarching theme? Well, I would say it's like a multiple theme in a way, because as the week goes on, I think it changes. Just at the very beginning of the week, we're coming out of the February 5th full moon, which was a big one and which also emphasized Uranus. That was at 16 degrees of, of Leo, the full moon, 16 degrees of Aquarius, the sun. And here we have Uranus at 15 degrees of Taurus. So that's the T-square to both. So it's pretty prominent. Uranus, and we might even remember back to November 8th with this, this full moon happened just before the week begins, of course, it's on Sunday. But I wanted to say that thinking about Uranus, you know, that was actually really the theme of that November 8th lunar eclipse right on election day, where Uranus was really kind of emphasized. And there were some progressive factors, you know, Uranus was there, it was square Saturn at that time back then. And Uranus really kind of went out over Saturn in a way, if you look at the election results. So it's kind of interesting to think back to that and to realize that Uranus is still an important factor, even in these current skies. So you're saying that we're having a certain energy at the beginning of the week that shifts a little bit towards the end of the week. And the beginning of the week is still in the aftermath of the full moon energy that we just experienced. Well, absolutely. And so really the whole week is colored with that Uranus flavor, but then as the personal planets change aspects, I think we get into a little bit of a darker place. Mm. Not, not necessarily in a bad way. We're going to depth within us. You know, I'm not so sure at the very beginning with all that Uranus emphasis, there's much 
of depth, you know, but it gets to me, it gets deeper and deeper as we go through the week. And for people that don't understand what Uranus energy feels like, what what's emphasized right right now? Right. Well, I just was thinking, yeah, of course, that's our shorthand to say Uranus. But, you know, Uranus, we, we always say surprising things, surprising events, unexpected events, unexpected outcomes, and then, of course, surprising revelations. And what I, what I love uh, when I characterize Uranus is I love the line from The Grateful Dead. Once in a while, you can get shown the light in the strangest of places if you look at it right. Uh, I love that. Okay, so surprises, surprising events, revelations. It's like the light gets turned on in new areas for us. And we have to be open to it. That's the thing. I mean, sometimes we get so caught up in our logic of consensus thinking and where everybody seems to be going and what's quote unquote normal that we forget to look when these things come up, you know, so it's important to try to be open in this timing. Okay. As open as we can. And, and are you saying that this surprising type energy that people may have already experienced because we just came off the full moon, are you saying that we can anticipate more of this type of revelation energy throughout like Wednesday? Well, throughout the week, I I would say, you know, to me, um, the nation cycle is a 30 day cycle, starting with the new moon. And then the full moon is that halfway point and also is an important configuration to be looking at in terms of how are these last two weeks going to unfold? You know, the, not, not exactly two weeks. Well, yeah, it is about two weeks. Sure. The 30 day cycle. And then the last 15 days is after the full. Henry, if you had to give a phrase for, to encapsulate then this, this weekly energy, what would you say it is? What's what's like the overarching theme? change or surprise or, or what is it? Well, revelation more. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of in-depth, um, because of outer planet configurations, it seems, seems to me there's a lot of looking inside ourselves and, and trying to understand what we find there. It, it's not, it's not evident. You know, it's maybe the best keyword for the whole week is lack of, uh, obvious and, and more what's underneath the obvious, you know, what, what do we have going on? inside ourselves, which really colors our behavior, you know, the unconscious. Mm-hmm. Underneath part the of what we do. Yeah. So we're going to have an opportunity for the light to be shown on some subconscious, maybe thoughts or habits or patterns or, or things, issues in our lives and have some deeper contemplation about these things and potentially transform with them. I think that's really good. Okay. All right. Great. So let's, let's take a walk through the week. Can you walk us through the transits of each of the days and things that we need to pay attention to on a daily basis this week? Well, the thing that I think is quite interesting is the Mercury transits because Mercury in that full moon is at 22 degrees of Capricorn. But then, of course, Mercury is now moving forward. You know, the other thing is Mercury actually doesn't escape its retrograde shadow completely until around the middle of the week. Well, not the middle, but the 7th is the day that Mercury reaches the 24 degree mark. So it starts with a full moon on the Sunday, which is before, before Monday, but, and then that's a 22 and a half, but then it reaches the 24 degree mark, which is important because that's the degree it started the retrograde, you know, the retrograde began, uh, back, um, you know, about five weeks ago. And then the three week time is when it, you know, did turn direct on the 18th of January. 
But uh, since it started at that 24 degree mark, until it catches up to the 24 degree mark, we consider it the retrograde shadow. And to me, it's still a little wobbly, you know, until we get to that point that it's... And so to me, this is a very big week because after, you know, nearly five weeks of the retrograde cycle from the very start of it, on the 29th of December, we are now finally getting to the end of the retrograde shadow. So it's really kind of a a time of launching forward in that sense. You know, we're, we're kind of, we've been thinking about things, we've been reviewing, rehearsing, you know, all the things beginning with RE, and that is finally drifting away this week. So it's, it's been getting gradually a little bit simpler and more straightforward. But now that Mercury is sitting the 24 degree mark, it's important. But then the funny thing about that 24 degree mark, you see, Saturn is a little bit further now. It was right there, but Neptune is still at 23 degrees of Pisces. And then I believe that Eris is very important at 23 degrees of Aries. So as it gets past 22, right, even at the very beginning, it's aspecting both of those. So we have a little bit of a Neptunian flavor with the Mercury being sextile to Neptune as the week begins. And also, though, it's square to Eris, which is about taking action. Now, Eris and Aries has been all, all about it to the extent that it participated in everything, a sense of we need to take action individually from our own individual perspective. It's a feminine warrior energy in support of soul intention. So it goes to depth. It's why you have to find out what's deep inside you, what it is that you really cannot not do. And that consciousness is part of this week's uh, transits with Mercury kind of uh, interacting with that, even though it moves pretty quickly and goes beyond it. Um, it's still interacting with that. And then finally interacting with Pluto at the end of the week on the 10th. So I think that transition from Mercury with Neptune, <laughs> and then also there's aspects to Chiron, which is another depth planet, a shamanic planet. And then when it gets to Pluto, you know, that's, it's all, these are all kind of brief touches because it goes by pretty fast, but I think it does take us to a consciousness of some of these depth processes deep within us. I have a couple questions for you. Go for it. I know that the shadow period as a concept for any retrogrades is somewhat debated in the field of astrology. There are some astrologers who say, yes, that shadow period where the planet is getting back to the degree where it started the retrograde, right? Is that it's it's the degree where it's yes, absolutely. It's recovering its lost zodiacal ground. Yeah, oh, it's recovering its lost zodiacal ground. I love that. What's your opinion on that? I mean, obviously, you, you use it in your astrology. Why do you use the shadow period? And, you know, I tend to use it very deliberately with the, the Mercury retrograde. I mean, it just seems to me that that's just what I've experienced. We know that Mercury retrograde has a certain feel to it. You know, we, we have misconnections, missed uh, sometimes mechanical breakdowns, things that we didn't have any idea was going to do that. And it does that. <laughs> you know, and we go, whoa. And those things have been happening and they, they, for me anyway, and I think for a lot of people, and they seem to keep happening. If you think about it, the moment of the actual station, which was the 18th, and some astrologers are kind of content with that. Well, now Mercury's going direct again. You know, it was retrograde motion, now it's direct motion. Well, that's true to an extent, but I think it's a phasal shift or an energy shift without it being the end of everything that we are associating with the Mercury retrograde experience. Because if you think about it, at that moment of the direct station, on the 18th of January was, Mercury is, is still, it's dead still in the sky. It's not really moving. And that's the whole thing with Mercury moving backward or moving forward and finally getting to move at its normal speedy direction. You know, the messenger of the gods, you have those little wings on the feet of, of Mercury in the, in the mythology, you know, the Greek mythology. 
And to me, until it's moving faster again, it, our thoughts are just kind of, they don't always connect. Hmm. I would love to take this opportunity to invite any of you in the chat to share your experience. Did you feel the shift in Mercury retrograde energy on the 18th when it went direct? Or have you continued to feel some of that Mercury retrograde type energy up until now? I, I think it'd be really interesting to see if people are having the shadow experience, quote unquote, or not. And uh, part of it is just paying attention to to what's happening. And obviously you've been paying attention to it for a long time. So I, I'm curious to see what people have to say. Also, another question. You, you quickly mentioned that Chiron is another quote unquote shamanic planet. Yes. What's a shamanic planet? Well, I kind of go with Daniel Giamario on this, who calls himself a shamanic astrologer. And he, he likes to talk about the actual physical experience of watching the night sky and things like that. And, you know, Chiron is so important. You know, it really gets to our inner wounding, which is another way of looking at the same thing, really, because what is shamanic except for going to another dimensionality, which includes more of the unconscious? I believe the unconscious is just so important. And what's buried there, you know, the funny thing is we don't really understand it all that well. We have glimpses or sometimes dreams. You know, dreams can be very revealing about life changing events that are going on in our life that we don't even completely uh, tune into until maybe later we look back on it and we see the, the movement there. So I think just tuning into the unconscious is so important and really kind of a recipe for health. You know, if you can get a little bit more synced up with your unconscious and feel, in it, you know, feel friendly toward it. And they say, especially with Chiron, especially with inner wounding, the trauma, that there's an early childhood trauma and the tendency is to avoid thinking about it, especially when we're young. Many times, you know, we don't have the facilities for handling it when it comes at that time. And so it becomes a sort of a trapped complex. It can kind of take us over from below, as it were. And so becoming more friendly toward it, it's one thing, just accepting your flaws. You know, I think as we grow, a lot of us don't want to look at that when we're younger and then we gradually recognize, oh, that's what humans come with flaws. You know, I mean, it's just like, that's the way we have it. You know, what uh, the famous line for Leonard Cohen is cracking everything. That's how the light gets, in. you know, that there's a way that we can see that as almost. And with Chiron, you say also that it's a treasure, a talent. It gives you compassion toward others. And once you get past that avoidance stage where you're really trying to be more aware of your inner trauma, whatever that might've been and make friends with it and say, oh, there's that coming up again. When you see it as a habit pattern, you gradually with Chiron, it's always changing. You gradually get past it. So it's not like it's a prescription that is going to be, that's it for your life, whatever that might be. It could be Chiron with Venus, which is usually relationship issues. It could be Chiron with Mercury, which is not feeling confident in your speech patterns or the, that you can articulate well, or you can say your, your truth. Chiron with the sun is always a father wound. Chiron with the moon is always a mother wound. It's really characteristic, these things. And so, and Chiron with Jupiter is very interesting. It really is the difficulty with your own belief system, different from your parents' belief system. And if they tried to push theirs, that becomes kind of a wounded place. You know, it's like, I'm sorry, but I have to go a different way. I'm so sorry. It's so painful for me. I can't recognize where you're coming from and, and that'd be my my beliefs. I have my worldview is different than that. So that's a kind of a thing too. 
So anyway, all these different chironic wounds, we grow out of them only by paying attention to them, only by being with them and then uh, moving beyond them. So it's important. So that when you say shamanic, there's a healing principle involved to it. To go back to the beginning, what I said, when Daniel talks about the shamanic planets, he refers to both Chiron and to Pluto, and then also to Eris now, because Eris is also out in the Kuiper belt, along with Pluto there. You know, what I came up with, which a lot of astrologers have said they really like this, not only do we have as above, so below, we have as farthest out in the solar system, so deepest within the psyche. I love that. I love that. Wow. You just said a lot of amazing things right there. So it, it's incredible to me that the Chiron wound is somewhat predictable and almost prescribed in our chart. You know, it's like, you're going to come and work on this core wound. One of the things that it seems to me is that these Chiron wounds, they feel really personal and they may have a personal story attached to them. And yet they're very collective as well. So those like deep feelings of like fear of abandonment, for example, or fear of rejection or... um yeah, that, that sense that you're ultimately alone or, you know, these, some of these things that, uh, it seems like Chiron is associated with. It's like, I think universally we share those as human, as humans. And from what I'm hearing from you, each one of us has these like little flavors of it that come through different storylines in our life. Maybe it's with the mother, maybe it was with the father, maybe it's with you know, our peers. boy, right? And peers, yeah, siblings. So could be peers, a, siblings, exactly. And what you were saying earlier about how certain things happen in our lives when we're younger and we don't have the capacity to deal with them then. So we avoid them and we don't speak to them. It's, it's really interesting having children and watching as certain things happen in their lives. And it can be totally unintentional. Maybe some kid at school said something, or maybe some teacher said, made an offhand comment. And how deeply the children feel it but then you can see that 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 like they they don't they don't know how to deal with it so it would you know go ahead go ahead well i was going to say that reminds me of i i i'm close friends with a guy that used to work with teenagers quite a bit and he said something very very interesting to me that there's also what we bring to it in other words you're talking about the experience of children right or they have a potentially traumatic situation could be that their mother had to leave or something like that, or, or the death of a parent, you know, these things can absolutely drive us into the ground and we may not never recover as a kid, or there's a way we can rise above. And he says, it really completely depends on the kid. You know, there are, are children that can kind of absorb it and move on and integrate it and so on. And it depends a lot on the strength of character, or you might say uh, the resilience of that, of that person, that child. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So much there. And it sounds to me like this is a week where we may be becoming more aware of our own inner, those inner wounds and there's light being shown on those so that we can revisit them as adults with different perspective and different tools and new awareness. And like you said, potentially with the shamanic experience, shamanic type experiences of really feeling these things transform through them. Yes. I mean, I'm thinking more of the end of the week on the 10th or I don't know if it's the fullest end, but at that point, 
there's a brief sun septile to Chiron. Mm. And at the same time, Mercury is also quintile to Chiron on the same day on the 10th. And then Mercury, as, at the same time as it's becoming connected with Chiron briefly through that quintile, it's also conjunct Pluto. So that's why I say we're heading into this kind of place where we, we may have a chance to look into our darkness and get some, some help with that, some revelations. So Henry, clearly you, you use septiles and quintiles in your astrology. And I know that for some people do, and a lot of people don't because they just don't know about them. So we do have Rick Levine's quintile and septile and harmonic aspect astrology course coming up this week. Have you heard of this? Oh, I, I know that Rick is so beautiful about that. He, he, he makes the statement, I would no longer, I'm sure he's going to say it when you, he has his clap. I, I, I no more would work with a client without quintiles and septiles than I would without squares and oppositions. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. So he's going to be teaching that class. If any of you are interested in, in going to that level in your own chart interpretation, looking at yourself and looking at other people's charts, you can still join us at astrologyhub.com slash foundations three, the number. That's astrologyhub.com slash foundations three. Rick Merlin Levine is going to be teaching that. And it's going to be an amazing class. And you don't have to have taken Astrology Foundations one and two in order to be ready for it. If you know how to look at charts now and you know squares and oppositions and and uh, conjunctions and you know the, the the basic aspects, this will just be taking it to another another layer of chart interpretation. So when you they really are accurate, you know, I I found in my work with the new planets, you know, with the Eris and now now with Helmi and Maki Maki that I'm doing this research, they absolutely count. <laughs> and parallels. I would have to say parallels and contraparallels. You know, all those ways that the planets interact have been shown to me through through Eris when I'm expecting to find Eris. Sometimes I find it through a quintile or a bi-quintile. And wow. that's the way it shows up. But I knew there was going to be there somewhere, you know. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and if you're listening to this going, what the heck are they talking about? This is way over my head. Don't worry about it. You'll get there. Like, it's okay. It's not really complicated. It's, it's a fifth. I mean, you know, we, we talk about squares and we know, know squares are important. It's a 90 degree thing. And it really is a very, it really stands out, you know, a certain number of signs, three signs. But um, it's just by dividing the 360 degree circle by four, you divide it by five, you get 72. And you look at that 72 degree angle, which is a quintile, and it really does come to a meaningful um, connection. It's one of the things I love about astrology is it, 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 it continues to reveal itself and its wisdom in layers. So right. I feel like people just, when you're ready for one thing and, and it'll, it'll be there. And then when you're ready to take it to the next level and the next level and the next, and it seems endless. I don't and know. If ending. I was just going to say that. No, no, no stopping of the levels. <laughs> There's no stopping, which is amazing. I mean, I think it can feel overwhelming to people, especially when you're first starting out. But then there's a certain just, okay, I'm going to relax into this journey and enjoy it. You've been doing this for a very long time. And I know that you still enjoy it, which oh, is just, it, it's brilliant. It's brilliant to see. Okay. So I think we've really only specifically talked about Monday so far. So <laughs> if we can go through the rest of the week, that would be great. Mercury does um, make a sextile to Neptune, exact sextile on the 6th. And, you know, it's interesting because I do think that the influence is a little bit more like a day before, a day after, especially with a planet like the Sun or Venus. Mercury's a little faster than that, but it still hasn't quite recovered yet. So it may be a day or two on either side or a day on either side. And then um, Venus is sextile to Uranus 
on the seventh. And that's very interesting because that is the same day that we say that Mercury finally gets to 24 degrees Capricorn, escaping its retrograde shadow. And at the same time, we have this kind of revelation that comes to us with Venus, which rules Taurus, which uh, Uranus is in Taurus, being sextile to, to Uranus also, I think. It, and then remembering that kind of Uranus is almost a theme of these, this whole week because of the full moon really emphasizing Uranus. I think it gives us a chance to tune in to that Uranian energy, which can be uh, deep intuition. You know, it can be a way of also, since that's our little theme that we've been talking about, tuning into your unconscious side. Uh, I think Uranus can help with that, you know, as long as you can stay open to it. It's important to, you know, when you have these clues come, we have a tendency to throw them away. You know, if something comes up and it doesn't seem to match your preconceptions, um, sometimes we can make the leap and say, I'm going to take a second look at this, you know, it famously, uh, Carl Jung has a story because he was totally into synchronicity and he invented that concept. He called it the principle of synchronicity, published it in 1951. So his story is that a young man was approaching him about a publication and he wasn't sure that he wanted to do it. And he kept demurring and saying, I don't think so. I don't think I'm going to do that. And then he glanced at his watch and he said, our conversation started at five o'clock and my watch still says five o'clock. I'm not sure what's going on with that. And the young man said, no, it's 545. And so Jung proceeded to say, well, you know, my watch has just been repaired and obviously it's not working right. I guess the repair didn't completely take on this watch. I'm going to take that as a synchronistic moment. And I'm going to say, maybe you're right. My watch was wrong. Your watch was right. I'm going to listen to you again. And the idea being that, you know, when some of these revelations come to us, we, we may, we may not have the immediate, um, response like that of maybe I should look at this again, this, this thing that comes up and seems startling, maybe it's telling the truth. Mm, fascinating. I love that story. Yeah. And that is kind of what we have with Uranus. You know, Uranus can be in these secret places or this stra these strange places, you know, and, but it can be very, and that, and the intuition also, sometimes our logic tells us one thing, but we have this real intuitional hit and go with it, you know, think about uh, going with it. Henry, I've had experiences lately where my intuition is, is, is feel like the, my internal feeling is calm and peaceful about something that logically I should be terrified about. You know, like, like logically and all the people around me are saying, no, this is scary. This is serious. You should be afraid. And when I close my eyes and tune in, it's like, but I'm not, I, I don't feel that, you know? So it's really interesting to, to then see how I second guess myself. Well, should I be afraid? Should I be responding the way that they're expecting me, me to respond? And I just think it's fascinating to, to explore our intuition and play with it and be aware of it. And and experiment with letting it be the guide and see what happens. I know sometimes we, we do the opposite. You know, we have an intuitional feeling. We say, well, that's just a feeling, but we, we really should pay attention. Like right. We, totally. Okay. So that's Tuesday. All right. And then uh, the next major thing I have is on the 10th, which was, as I was saying, Mercury's getting really close to Pluto at that time. Uh, not only that, we have a brief sun uh, uh, septile to Chiron on that day. At the same time, speaking of Chiron, Mercury is quintile. So to me, that's a very, and those are subtle, you know, quintile is a little more subtle of a feeling that, that has that uh, characteristic. Septile is also subtle and has a bit of a quirk to it, a bit of a, a twist, you know, it's like 
almost like a film noir kind of a thing. You know, it's that's a little bit of a dark side to it. So I think it's very appropriate considering it's also Chiron. These twin things that both Sun and Mercury reflect awareness or consciousness. So I'm thinking that we will be tuning in as the week gets closer to the end of the week. And then uh, actually Mercury, after conjuncting Pluto, moves into Aquarius on Saturday. So that's kind of the final movement. And that's kind of more sunshine, right? They moved into Aquarius and leaving Pluto behind. But, you know, this, this period of time right around the 9th or 10th, I think, is a period, for, which is Thursday and Friday, is a period, I think, when we'll be feeling really a, a chance to, to get a glimpse of some of the uh, darkness under, underlying things. And we should try not to shy away from it. We should try to welcome, welcome that darkness as perhaps informative of what's going on with us. So Sunday is sounding like you were referring to it as a little bit more of a bright day, but do you want to talk to us about the energy on Sunday? Yeah, so I, I think that it, things change. Okay, on Saturday is when Mercury enters into Aquarius and things do have a shift at that point. A consciousness would shift. It has more of an Aquarian energy to it. And then Sunday is very interesting because Jupiter is getting closer and closer to being exactly opposite. And this is a new planet, Maki Maki which is one of these new ones beyond Pluto. But the, f the funny thing is, all these four Kuiper Belt planets, and we include Pluto in that, and we include Eris, and now Haume and Makimaki, named after indigenous gods and goddesses, are the other two of these new planets that uh, really have a lot of meaning, as it turns out, as we would expect planets to have. You know, every time they say there's a new planet, like when they said, okay, Uranus is a new planet. When they said that Pluto was a new planet, it was in the Kuiper Belt, and they didn't even realize it, but these four are the largest bodies in the Kuiper Belt, and I think they all have meaning. And you know, when Pluto was first discovered and announced, astrologers didn't want to work with it. They said, we've got our set of tools, you know, we know what to do through Neptune, we understand it. And Pluto was just this mystery at the beginning, obviously, but it became totally accepted, totally important. We consider it a very important factor in humanistic astrology, especially psychological astrology. And these new ones should have very much, uh, by logic, the same kind of impact and charts once we understand them. And I think that these last two, Haumea and Makimaki, have to do with profound connection to nature. So I've been working with that, and it's very interesting. It includes concepts of natural law, right action and right relationship, truth tellers. They're always truth tellers, but prominent Makimaki or Haumea. They, they both seem to have this quality, but Makimaki is more the activist. And the reason that I'm sure that it's important to think about Makimaki right now is because as we came into the month, right around the 20th, 29th of, of January, it was, Makimaki was in a grand trine with Mars just coming out of its retrograde and with the sun. So I, I, think it, I think it's kind of relevant for right now. And now Jupiter, at the time we're talking about on Sunday, Jupiter is getting closer and closer to being exact opposition to Makimaki. And Chiron isn't far away being at 13. So Jupiter is eight degrees, Chiron is 13 degrees, and Makimaki is at nine degrees and 30, nine and a half degrees of Libra. So I think it is a pr pretty important thing. And it would, it would, to me, it would imply looking inside ourselves for what we really deeply believe and considering that maybe that should be what we act upon. Not just idle thought, but, but recognizing that maybe this is something I need to actualize in my life. Okay, so so investigating our deep beliefs and then aligning our actions with those beliefs. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. So this this week essentially is about revelation, 
underneath the obvious. Yes. Looking underneath the obvious, looking inside, having deeper levels of understanding. You're talking about taking an action from your individual perspective. What's inside you that you cannot not do? I love that. Finding that thing that's like, I, I cannot not do this. I am compelled to do this. And again, I think we talked about this last time you were here. That might not feel super specific right now to you. That might be like, I, I just know that I need to be here to help people, or I know I need to be here to add value to people's lives, or I know I need to be here to spread love. You know, it could be that big. And then the specifics of how you're going to do that, I think once you commit to that, that, that deeper mission start to appear. Would you totally. agree with that, Henry? I would agree with that. And I, I think it's so important because it gives meaning to our lives. You yes. know, we're very lucky when we find our purpose because, you know, all of a sudden life makes sense. And if we don't, you know, we're kind of beating around, you know. Yeah. And, and what would you say in the astrology chart gives the biggest indication of what that purpose is? I would say Eris. Eris yeah. more than Haome and Makimaki, but, you know, Haome and Makimaki, it's so beautiful because it really tunes us into this inner moral compass, what's right, a sense of what's right. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's also very important. I think all three of them kind of work together in a certain way. They're all out there with Pluto as well, as far as transforming and being open to change, uh, understanding that there are depths within us, there are compulsions and desires, you know, Pluto within us that we, we need to kind of face up to and, and learn mm-hmm. about. So it all comes to kind of in-depth, depth connection uh, with their psyches. And Henry, it, when you're an inner circle astrologer with us as, as our teacher, are you going to be teaching on these, these newer discovered planets? Yes. Okay. Yeah, my topic for the master uh, class is uh-huh. working with the shamanic planets with Pluto, Chiron, and Eris. So all three of those really, and, and some of those are we, we know more about, you know, from traditional astrology or it's more, more recent traditional astrology, of course, humanistic astrology. And then these new ones, Haume and Makimaki, are also something I'm going to discuss when we get to that. Amazing. So as Inner Circle members, you get a different mastery class every single month taught by astrologers like Henry and the ones that you meet here on the weekly weather, the ones that have been a part of the house series, and you get lifetime access to those. So that you just get this, it's like a Christmas present or some sort of birthday gift in your membership library every month. And then you can um, work with the content whenever it works for you, but you also get live Q and A's with the teachers and the teachers are also available in our community So when you have questions that come up, when you have specific things about your chart and you're trying to figure things out, you can actually connect with the teaching astrologers uh, in our community and during the live Q&A. And so there's lots of opportunities to really take your learning to the next level. And I'm super excited about your mastery class, Henry. We are going to be opening enrollment for the Inner Circle in March. If you're not yet on the wait list, now would be a great time to get on there. So you're first to know when we do open doors. That's astrologyhub.com slash IC23. I is an inner, C is in circle, the number 23. And that'll just be to get on the wait list and you can learn more and see if it's right for you when we do open doors in March. Okay, so Henry, a couple other things. I love that. IC23 is like I see myself in 23. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and that's one of the things when we named it inner circle, it was, there were so many layers to that because it was I see, every time you say it, it's like I see. It's also the IC in the chart, which is the 
the the base of the chart, right? The, right. the I didn't even think of that. or the IC of the chart, which is like your foundation, your roots, and your family and your home. So we always love the inner circle to be our family and home. It's where astrology lovers come together to talk about astrology and learn astrology and learn about themselves. So and that uh, does reflect depth as well. Yes, depth exactly. Depth of the as well. Exactly. So it's a multi-layered name. It's not just our inner circle. It's like it has a lot of depth. Okay. It does. So a couple other things about the week. We have the septile and quintile action happening. That's mainly Thursday and Friday. That's bringing in a glimpse of the darkness that's underlying things. And what you're advising is that we don't avoid it, that we kind of lean into it and see what gifts it has for us. Exactly. And on Saturday, we're going to have a pretty big shift in energy with Mercury moving into Aquarius. And Sunday, this is, again, look inside for your deep beliefs and make sure that's in alignment with the way that you're acting, with the things that you're doing in your life. I know I've said this a million times on the podcast, but one of the ways that I evaluate that is I look at my calendar and I look at the things I spend money on. Because when my beliefs and my mission are in alignment with the way I'm acting, that will be reflected in the way I'm spending my time and in the way that I'm spending my money. So I, that's one way that I can like kind of shortcut to like, am I in alignment here? Am I spending time on money on things that aren't aligned with my beliefs and my mission? Or am I you know, consistent there? So it can be a good inventory. You know what? It could also be where you're making your money. Ah, uh, yes. And you know, many times um, we have a calling and we have also what's giving us our income. <laughs> and they're, right. they're not always aligned like, like that. And I think it's better to try to get them to be more aligned and you can do it in stages. You can, you know, not exactly totally give up your day job, but somehow work like a four day week or less hours somehow and find more time for what you really truly believe and what you truly want and gradually transition into that being your moneymaker. Henry, do you think that everybody is wired for that though? Like, do you think some people have actually come in to infuse their purpose or mission into whatever they're doing and or to have a little bit more of a segmentation within themselves. Like here's the work that I do and here is my purpose and mission, but they're not necessarily tied together. Or like you just said, do you think that fundamentally most of us would experience the most fulfillment and success if we did align completely? Oh, I think everybody has to try to do that. I think that's our life purpose. But, you know, you can find some some value in what you are doing if you look at it in a different way sometimes, you know, it can't yeah. be without shifting jobs at all. There's a great story with Ram Dass tells the story that he went to a retreat and there was a guy in the bottom bunk. <laughs> they, they, they were bunking up, bunking up. And he says, what do you do? And he says, I'm an investment counselor. I'm a vice president of a bank. He says, really? And you're at this retreat center. That's very interesting. And he says, how did you, um, how do you come to this? And he says, oh, at one point I quit my vice president job totally. I was all beads and sandals and, you know, really exploring my life. And I ran into my old boss when I was in Union Square in San Francisco. And he said, you know, I just had that job opening come and you were the best one we ever had. Is there any way I could persuade you to come back? And so I decided to come back. So Ramda says, oh, you came back to that job. He says, yes, I did. And he said, and is it different? He says, oh, it's completely different. It used to be I was really wrapped up in the investment counseling. But now I hang out with people all day. 
and our excuses investment counseling. I love that. That is brilliant. I mean, I know there's probably people in the audience who are finding a passion in astrology, but they're working different jobs. And I hear stories all the time of people who are like, people in their workplace are coming to them and asking them for insights into what's happening astrologically. And they're practicing with their coworkers and their, even their boss. I mean, I've had some people say that, you know, my boss who I thought would never be into this when they found out that I have this passion, they wanted a reading, you know, they wanted me to look at their charts. So I love that story so much. And it's true. I mean, we can, we can bring meaning and purpose into everything we do. It is often a shift in perspective. And as someone who, who worked really hard to get my career, quote unquote, and my passion and love and my mission aligned, I can also say there's amazing satisfaction in that too. So, and it doesn't happen overnight. Like that, like you said, Henry, there's like a, a process that we can go through and, um, and, and why not enjoy every step of the way of that process if possible, right? It's for, so important to find meaning in whatever it is we're up. Yeah, yeah. Henry, you are so awesome. I love talking story with you and hanging out and just hearing your perspective and hearing about the week ahead. I hope all of you enjoyed this as much as I have. And uh, just a couple reminders of some of the, the things that we talked about. We will put the links in the description of this show. Also, Rick Levine's Septile Quintile Harmonic Aspect class is starting this week. So if you want to join us, please go to astrologyhub.com slash foundations three and learn about these mysterious but super important aspects in the chart and how they can take your understanding of yourself and the people around you to a whole new level. So looking forward to seeing a, a lot of you in that class. And then also if you are interested in getting on the wait list for the inner circle and studying with the masters in community with all of us, you can go to astrologyhub.com slash IC23 and get on the wait list today. Henry, thank you. I can't wait to see you again. And thanks to all of you for being here. And thank you as always for making astrology a part of your life. I've had some people recently be like, how are you thanking me for making astrology a part of my life? Thank you for helping me make astrology a part of my life. Like I can't imagine my life without it. So we're mutually grateful for each other. How about that? All right, everybody. We can't wait to catch you on the next episode. Take care and enjoy your week. If you've studied astrology, you're probably familiar with aspects like trines, squares, and oppositions. But did you know that there are a lot more aspects you can read in an astrological chart? In Astrology Foundations Level 3 with Master Astrologer Rick Levine, you'll learn the magic of quintiles, septiles, and other harmonic aspects. And understanding these aspects will take your understanding of astrology way beyond the ordinary, or even what you thought was possible. Rick Levine is one of the foremost thinkers on harmonic aspects, and he's going to share his mind-blowing perspective with you in Astrology Foundations Level 3. By the end of this four-week course, plus two bonus weeks of live sessions with Rick, you'll get a complete overview of harmonic aspects that will change the way you look at astrology forever. Learn more and enroll today at astrologyhub.com slash foundations3. Again, that's astrologyhub.com slash foundations3.